Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. If you're going to cherry-pick verses from the Bible to form the basis of your personal moral code, then go for it. It might be a very good idea. There are both very crunchy nuggets and shiny pearls of wisdom in there, which may be digested and or worn every day to the benefit of yourself and others in your community, wherever that may be. You may, however, wish to avoid this one from Psalm 137, verse 9 of the King James Version. Happy shall they be who take your little ones and dash them against the rock. Similarly, I would also suggest you swerve this instruction from Deuteronomy. If two men are fighting and the wife of one of them comes to rescue her husband from his assailant and she reaches out and seizes him by his private parts, you shall cut off her hand. Show her no pity. A more famous, more adhered to and generally more chilled out credo is set out in the New International Version thus from Matthew chapter 7. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured against you. You are about to hear five Liverpool fans from across the world judge Liverpool footballers using a scale of 1 to 10 on their performance during a whole season of Premier League football. If indeed, in the same way we judge others, we will be judged, and with the measure we use it will be measured against us, and any of you listeners can actually make this happen for us, please send us an email to coponpodcast at gmail.com or get in touch via Twitter at coponpodcast and we will be very happy to join up with Jürgen's squad for pre-season training. In the meantime, whoever you are, wherever you are, welcome to Cop On Podcast, you creamy puffball of joy, and I hope you enjoy the heck out of this episode. I am thrilled, uh, beyond delighted, absolutely overjoyed, to be joined by Hiran in West Yorkshire, by Robin in the Midlands of England by Brian in Hong Kong and I'm hot and sweaty having just got back from the beach in the Costa Blanca absolutely beautiful place really really nice um, I didn't swim in the sea I stay out of there as Billy Connolly once said um, we've tried to evolve out of it as humans and I agree with his opinion that uh, you know you don't bother going in the sea but absolutely wonderful place, and each to their own. It's a joy to have you with us. This is part two of our season review for you, the dear listener, the Reds all around the world. Um, uh, so we're going to crack straight into it. I've asked uh, lots of people um, for their rating on our number 12, Joe Gomez, of course. Um, we're going through the squad list uh, by numerical order and uh, I've got lots of ratings for Joe Gomez. I give Joe Gomez 
Uh, a nine, I think he has room for improvement, but it was a heck of a brilliant season. Uh, and then uh, Joe also gave him a nine. Uh, Douglas, Doug from the Dugout Football Channel, he gave uh, Big Joe a 10, which, I mean, you know, you can see it's justifiable as well. Um, uh, but then Robin, you gave Joe Gomez a 9.5 out of 10. So uh, tell us uh, why, you know, why, what can he, why did you do that? Um, I think he's had a really good season after uh, winning his place back from uh, Matip. Um, he's got the attributes to be a top, top class defender and learning from the likes of um, Van Dyke, you can see his game improving. Only just recently, he was covering some of Van Dyke's mistakes, which is quite impressive. He's got the skill, he's got the confidence to push forward, especially after playing uh, quite a lot in on the right back position. So he understands how to go forward. And his reading of the game, I think, as the season's progress is getting stronger and stronger. And the the frequency of mistakes he perhaps made in the previous seasons, you can see that's dimin dimin diminishing as well. Um, and he's still so young. Some of these um, central defenders, they don't really mature and ripen until the latter parts of the 20s, early 30s. And you can see he's good enough to hold a place by merit in this superstar team and he's getting better and better. Um, I had a really good discussion with a cousin of mine yesterday who's a Man United fan, and we were um, debating uh, the best English centre-backs, and obviously um, he, he chose uh, Maguire being a Man United fan. Um, I think it's a bit deluded, and was trying to match up um, the attributes and who's good at what thing. So Maguire may have um, a little bit more leadership skills, but that's probably about, oh, he probably gets a bit more goals than Gomez does. But in terms of reading the game, his speed, his anticipation, positioning, um, understanding how the system works, uh, his athleticism, I think Gomez has been fantastic this year. And he's not even near his peak, so I think he'll be a great understudy to learn from someone like Van Dyke. And you can see in a few years' time as um, Van Dyke reaches his twilight of his career, Gomez could step up. I think we we need that from a couple of our players to push on to the next level. But his development has, has been sound and steady. And um, he's he's been a good player to our team. And you can see from the stats itself, when them two play together, we've got two very fast centre-backs. We've got uh, ones that can cover each other very well. It's a very nice combination. If you compare Gomez with other defenders, such as um, Lovren or uh, Matip, you lose, you lose some of that speed in that defence. And that allows us to play a high line and squeeze the opposition half and suffocate the other team. And if somebody were to break past our back line, you've got the speed to clean up and mop up um, the, those threats. Um, Gomez, I think, is one for the future. Well, he's one for now, but I can only see him getting better. So it's hard to give him a 10. Um, Doug is um, um, optimistic um, and very generous with his score, but I think 10 is reserved for only a handful of players, I think, who have been outstanding this season. And Joe Gomez is just nearly there. Marvellous answer. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. Um, Brian uh, you, is, is with us as well. Brian, you gave Joe Gomez uh, a nine, as I did. Explain yourself. Um, yeah, look, I just think he's um, as good as you're going to get um, uh, at that age. Um, he's got to be in the top five centre-backs, I would say, at 
in that age bracket in the world right now. And um, once he, you know, when he came back into the team, I was very confident that once he got up to speed, got his uh, game fitness, his match fitness back, um, he, he has quite an effect on, on the team. He makes us more mobile, more agile. As uh, as Robin pointed out, there he has that pace to, um, you know, if, if Big Verge can't do what he needs to do, Gomez is always there. Um, and I can't I can't really remember too many games in his Liverpool career, especially over the last couple of years, where he's really let us down. Kind of know what you're going to get, and, and you do get the feeling that um, uh, Virgil loves playing with him, um, and you know prefers playing with him over the other players in the team. So, um, yeah, like, I, like uh, as Robin pointed out, you know, 10 is just, you know, set aside for like truly spectacular um, performances over the season. But I mean, I, I agree. I think he has got a lot of room to grow and I can, you know, I can see him becoming the number one defender in the world. He's, he's got that in his, in his locker. I think um, if he carries on, taking the same trajectory he's done over the past three years. Um, he's such a, he's so young and so composed and so mature. Um, yeah, I think nine's a, a, a good score for him, you know. He's 23 years old and 71 days. Wow. <laughs> as we're recording this. That's crazy. Um, he was born on May the 23rd, 1997, uh, Joe Gomez. Um, Hiron, welcome to Cop On Podcast. It's your first time here. Um, I'm going to ask you why you gave Joe Gomez 8.5, as in what, obviously, you know, you think there's, there's room to improve. Um, where can he improve, Hiron? Um, I think it's, um, he needs to cut out some of the mistakes. And there, there were a, a couple this year, which I felt uh, did actually lead to goals. Um, so one was against Bournemouth, if you remember, when um, he got, I think he got slightly nudged and then uh, Bournemouth went and then scored. Um, and the other one was against Sterling, where he was kind of beaten for pace a, a little bit and then he, he had to foul him in the box and, and gave, a, gave away, in my mind, still a, quite a soft penalty. Um, so I think both, uh, the aspects that he could still improve on is reading the game. I don't think he's quite fully got grasped that. Um, and if you compare him, now would you, for, for me, Matip is probably still slightly ahead of him. Uh, you might disagree with me. Um, I still think Matip does give us a, a, a bit more better reading of the game. And... Um, also aerially, he's uh, uh, Matip's about I think he's six four, so he he tends to be uh, in both boxes, whether it's uh, uh, in our own box or the opposition's box. You know he can um, score goals. Um, Joe doesn't do that. I mean he's he's fine defending our goal, but when it comes to sort of uh, uh, in the opposition's net. You know, he, he doesn't quite offer that same level of uh, um, goal threat uh, going forward. So that's probably another aspect as well that he needs to seriously improve. I think, you know, um, uh, I don't know if you ever saw a clip of him and Trent taking some free kicks uh, earlier um, sometime this year. I didn't. Right, yeah. And he got four on four. They, they were just 
they were just having a, a, a you know like an after session training uh, on free kicks and I think Trent only got one and but Joe actually got four out of four um, so maybe he's got a bit more to it in you know in terms of his attacking game than amazing he. So, he, so he's he, like he's like Rivaldo with the free kicks, is he? I don't, yeah, I have no idea. honestly, if, if, if I will, I'll find you that clip and I'll send you it, Owen, and you can see he isn't he isn't Please that do. bad, you know. Um, so you know, the, there are other aspects of it that he can improve, and certainly, I think I, I didn't feel that he he, he warranted um, a nine yet, or you know, a nine and a half or ten yet. I think there's a lots of room for improvement, but one thing. He is, he, you know, towards the end of the season, I guess, you know, because they were probably partying a bit too hard. So, you know, the, the concentration on the game wasn't as, as great. Uh, but earlier in the season, it definitely, you know, there the, the were, you know, periods where we looked a lot more solid with both Van Dyke and, and Joe, uh, you know, in the back line. So, um, yeah, I think, I think he's had a great season as well. And there's still lots of room for improvement from from my perspective. Absolutely super. Yeah, absolutely great answer. Thank you very much. Um, uh, we've got another guest, Kevin. You've joined us. Hello. Hello, Kevin. Can you, you you're, you're tuning in? Where where are you in the world, Kevin? And welcome to Copper. Hi guys. Uh, I'm from Malaysia, actually. Malaysia. Malaysia. Wonderful. Well, thank you for joining us. It's absolutely wonderful that you're that you're here. What what time is it in Malaysia? It must be the middle of the night, no? Yeah, it's actually twelve past. I mean, it's almost twelve thirty, uh, midnight. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. A nice late night discussion about the mighty Reds. Fantastic. We're just going through the squad, Kevin. I don't know if you've heard the uh, or seen the agenda, but all it is is we're going through the players. From now we're on number 13 to the end of the squad. Um, and uh, the next one on the list is uh, Adrian. Okay. So, um, Adrian, I, I want to start with Adrian. Okay, guys. I want to start because Adrian, I gave him the, the lowest rating of, of everybody. Okay. Um, I've got all the ratings in front of me. Give me a second. Um, I'll just find them. So, he scored number 13. Everybody gave him 7.5, 8, 7, 8, 7.5, and 7, apart from me, who gave him 6. Now, I know, I know you're going to think that's harsh. You're going to show me, you're going to text me photos of uh, Adrian with the Super Cup and that wonderful penalty save. But hear me out on this one, please, guys. Hear me out. Okay, I've done my research. Adrian is 32 years old, which is really quite old in terms of reflexes. Your reflexes show, uh, slow down. He made 11 Premier League appearances, nine starts, and two coming on as a sub. Okay. Um, his save percentage was his career worst. The worst in his career was 64.3% save percentage. Now, save percentage is obviously incredibly important for a goalkeeper, uh, among other stats, okay? And for context, um, uh, I, I chose Emiliano Martinez from Arsenal, who also, he has 10 appearances in the Premier League. And Martinez's save percentage was 81% compared to... Um, 
Adrian 64.3%. So that's that's a big difference. That's 17% more for Martinez. Um, uh, so the career average of Adrian is 71.7. So it's gone down. I know it's a small sample size. I know that. Camille Grabara, um, Liverpool's uh, one of Liverpool's reserve. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure 99% of the listeners you know that one of our reserve keepers. He went on on loan to Huddersfield. He got 58%. So. Adrian is better on paper than Grabara. Okay, good. And of course he's better than Kepa, the world's most expensive goalkeeper, who had an absolutely abominable 54.5%. You basically got a one in two chance of scoring every shot on goal against Chelsea. And I should keep this quiet. I hope nobody who knows Frank Lampard will tell him this stat, but it's the lowest in all five leagues in Europe. But we're not going to talk about Chelsea. I'm talking about Adrian. I think we can do a lot better, okay? Um, in terms of passing, Adrian is, is, is good, he's, he, but he's, he, he had four passes that were five yards or less, and he only made two of them. He makes a lot of mistakes, is my, is my main problem, as well as the low save percentage, because I think you can get better out there. Um, he made a big mistake against Southampton at the beginning of the season. Luckily, we came back to win. He made a massive mistake against Chelsea that may have cost us the FA Cup. And he made, of course, very famously in the same week, a huge mistake against Atletico Madrid. And uh, I'm not one of these fans, and I hate the fact that he got death threats sent to him. I find that absolutely embarrassing and awful from anyone to do anything as monstrous as that, just for a mistake, anyone could make a mistake, but he makes too many. That's my argument for giving him only six out of 10. Um, and also I've done my research. There is, for example, a free transfer available. We've got to just be able to do better for our number two is my point. Um, there's a free transfer available. Um, his name is Rafael Romo. He played in the D uh, Danish Super League. He's available on a free and he played 25 matches for them. He used to play for Udinese and he had a 74.6% save percentage. He's about 29, so he's younger than Adrian. And I just think as a number two keeper, we can do better than Adrian. Kevin, you've just joined us. Thank you so much for joining us from Malaysia. Kevin, tell me, I'm wrong. Um, well, um, regarding um, regarding Adrian, I, I think maybe six is a bit too harsh because um, at times he, he does save us from um, some awkward situations uh, despite of his his performance not being that consistent or uh, as I would say, not uh, not on par with the other number twos um, in the Premier League. But uh, but I think he he deserves a bit more credit. But there are some... some uh, I would say elementary mistakes that he has uh, he has done it cost us a lot of uh, not points I mean not as much points but uh, cost us the tie against Atletico de Madrid but uh, I think he deserves maybe a 6.5 or a 7 um, maybe not a 7 maybe 6.5 because 7 seems a bit um, you know average I think he's a bit below average but not not a 6 yeah Okay, well, thank you very much. That's, that's good. Uh, good reasoning from Kevin there, Brian. You you gave him an eight. What are you smoking <laughs> over there in Hong Kong? 
<laughs> I'm glad you came to me. <laughs> um, you know, let me just preface what I'm about to say, but you, you kind of changed my mind. <laughs> I listened to you for five minutes and going, yeah, he's pretty shit, isn't he, really? <laughs> um, listen, I think, you know, uh, you know, the stats that you, you pulled up were all accurate. And yeah, I, I really started to rethink my position on him. Um, I didn't realize it gave him as high as an ace. That's, you know, I don't know. I must have been in a very good mood that day. Um, but I think um, when we signed him, I, don't, I mean, I can't, I can't remember exactly, but didn't, weren't we, didn't we sign him almost like an emergency keeper? Like we had like a, a keeper crisis at the time. All our backup keepers were injured out of the blue and, and we were kind of lucky to get him like a, a keeper of, I mean, I dare I say it, his his stature <laughs> at so late in the transfer window. I think I think it was Passer or I can't remember anyway. But the one thing I do remember about him is before he came to Liverpool, statistically, he was the best keeper outside of the top four, I think, um, in terms of his his XG and his, his shot stopping and, and all of his that. Shot thing. stopping. Yes, he was fifth. <laughs> yeah. He was fifth in the league uh, for shot stopping for that save percentage. It was, I think last season, it was as high as like 76%. So he's going yeah. up to 64. So it's a big drop. So, yeah, I know. So, I mean, I think um, at the time you could argue that he was a really great signing on paper uh, that for a number two, because, you know, with keepers, it's, it's a, such a weird position because you know, if you're anyway talented and you're on a, your career is on an upward trajectory, um, you know, you're not happy to, start, to sit on the bench. Um, you know, unlike, unlike a midfield player who can perhaps play his way into the squads, um, a talented keeper is most likely not going to play their way into a squad. A squad. You know, the, the, number, the, the number one goalkeeper has to be uh, at carious level, cock-ups before they can... Um, See, see any kind of chance of getting in there. So you're always kind of, um, I wouldn't say you're shopping in the bargain bin, but you're kind of looking for some keepers who are in a kind of halfway house, like half, you know, really good on their day, but not good enough to, to hold down a number one jersey in any of the big clubs. Uh, and I talked to people about this, and I was thinking there must be a smarter way to do this in terms of signing good keepers. Uh, and I think Chelsea had the right idea a couple of years back when they had, you know, two or three world-class keepers on their books and they just loaned them out to other big clubs or relatively big clubs. So, I, you know, I think, I think, you know, it's a difficult position to play as a goalkeeper for Liverpool because, uh, you know, he's not going to get many shots on goal. And when he does, he has to perform. It's a big club. The jersey's going to be very heavy. It's a massive club, Jurgen Klopp, all of that kind of stuff. And the whole, eye, the whole world is looking at him. I thought he did okay. But like I say, after I heard your analysis, I totally changed my mind. I thought, shit, yeah, it was pretty bad. But, you know, I don't know. We, what, you know, you think of some of the good young uh, keepers out there, um, you know, they're not going to sign. I don't, my personal opinion is they're not going to sign for Liverpool or Man United or whatever, like, because they're just not going to get any games. I don't understand why they don't like promote 
the young keepers from winning the club. When's the last time we've seen one of our youth keepers get a chance in the first team? It's been years, well, you know? Yeah, well, I don't know, you see. I don't know because I think um, the the young goalkeepers might not be, just simply might not be good enough yet. I mean, Camille Grabara was absolutely fantastic for the under-23s, and that's why Huddersfield took a chance on him. But, um, but uh, he hasn't really... I mean, he's been OK for them, but... Um, he hasn't been brilliant either, unfortunately, in the championship, just by looking at the stats, of course. I don't, I don't know how he commands his box compared to Adrian or things like that. But, uh, OK, we're going to move on from uh, reserve keepers, although I will say, Brian, Raphael Romo is available on a free from the Danish Super League. I'm sure he, he would jump at the chance to be our number two or a signing like that. But anyway, I'm going to stop. Get off my Adrian replacement bandwagon and move on to number 14 in the squad, who we all know is our captain, Captain Marvel, Captain Wonderful, Captain Fantastic, Jordan Hendo Henderson. He swept the board with a 10, apart from Brian, who gave him an 11, but I'm not going to go right back to Brian, uh, although you could argue that 11 is a perfectly valid score out of 10 for Jordan Henderson. I'm going to go, go uh, to you here on Jordan Henderson. You gave him 10 out of 10. Is there, I mean, you know, talk to me about him and his season, please. Fantastic. Captain Marvel, he's been the driving force. I mean, for for last few years, I guess, or previous to that, um, we used to always complain about him, partly because he would get the ball and his first thought was just to go backwards or sideways um, but I think I, I, when I saw a, a difference um, with with Jordan is since the game against Southampton last season and I think that was the trigger point when uh, Jürgen dropped him for that particular game and, and, and dropped him to the bench but he came on that game and he was like a man possessed. He, he, he actually drove that team. And, and, and that was the turning point for me because since then he's been playing in that similar fashion throughout. Um, and this season, I mean, he's, he's covered obviously his central midfield position and also the defensive midfield position as well. Uh, and particularly when uh, Fabinho was out for, um, I can't remember how much, uh, was it six weeks or, or, or two months? And he he absolutely owned that position, uh, ensured the team was going forward. And when he when Fabinho came back into the team, he, he went back to being at the right side of the uh, uh, the midfield. And and he's been he's been you know uh, the driving force in terms of moving the team forward defensively covering um he's everywhere you know he's everywhere on the pitch and and he's always sort of influencing the game so um from the young man that came into the team and uh, taking on the responsibility as well i mean that armband is quite heavy and it, not everybody can shoulder that burden either um so he's he's done that and he's done more and yeah, I can't fault him. You know, so the only thing, the only score that I could give him was ten. There wasn't anything I could give him anything less than that. Brilliant, absolutely, yeah, very, very good indeed. Um, Brian, um, Jordan, uh, sorry, Robin, excuse me. It's the heat is getting to me. Spain, <laughs> it's, it's a hot country. Uh, excuse me, um, uh, Robin. Um, 
Um, that was a great answer from here on there. Uh, uh, Jordan Henson, he played 26 matches. He started 26 matches and he made four substitute appearances. 2,244 minutes. He got four goals. He got five assists. Um, but the most telling stat for me is that with him, we got, I believe it was uh, um, 2.7 points per game. And without him, it went down to around about two points a game. Uh, Robin, he makes a massive difference, doesn't he? Yeah, 100%. It's not just on the pitch, it's what he brings off the pitch as well. When you, when, when you hear about these interviews and his influences in and around the training ground and the dressing room, you can see he's um, very much respected and um, people... He's a go-to guy that um, the players do gravitate, uh, gravitate towards. His performances have been excellent this season. And as Hiran rightly said, that Southampton game was a very pivotal point because it was um, it was reported that he actually went to Klopp to ask if he can play a, a bit more central, a bit more uh, attacking, especially as um, Fabinho has made that defensive uh, midfield position his own. And I remember that Southampton game when he came on, Liverpool lacked the the urgency, the directness, the speed. It was very um, slow and sluggish. And when he came onto the pitch along with Milner, it just changed. And you can see the coaching and the, and the instruction that was given to those two boys that when they came onto the pitch, it just changed the whole game. And that was a fantastic result for us to uh, win that. I remember Salas got a um, fantastic goal, a solo goal. But it was Henderson that was a driving force from that. And as Heron rightly said, it's just been non-stop since then. And we all take a lot of pride and we're very proud of the journey that he's come through and the and, and the low points that he's had but we all know about and to see that he's taken on the mantle from Gerard to to lift trophies after trophies and by, he by far has got the best trophy lift as well um which adds another 0 0.5 i reckon in my, in my opinion but um <laughs> but uh, uh he's his leadership is excellent. And did you see the um, Lalana interview when Lalana was leaving a couple of weeks ago when he spoke really fondly of his best friend, Henderson? And there's a part of that interview where he said that um, after the Sevilla match a couple of years ago when we drew 3-3 after having a 3-0 lead, uh, Henderson picked uh, Lalana up for training the next day. And I think he wanted to have a bit of a heart-to-heart -heart saying that he can't allow Liverpool um, to, to be like that when they've lost a three-goal lead it felt like a defeat um and he he burdened that responsibility as a captain of liverpool football club that he can't let this happen on his watch and it was very humbling to watch that and, and it goes to show some of the psyche that henderson has that he's embracing his responsibility of being our captain and leading by um example that we need to strive to be better and I can't think of better attributes and qualities as a as a leader of a, a, a band of men than that example Alana showed. Yes, on the pitch, he has many amazing qualities. Some things he's not the best at, but he's a very good all-rounder and everything, whether it's attacking or defending or positioning or supporting others. I, I remember another interview where um, Trent... Um, was having this a couple of seasons ago when Trent was just breaking to the team. He was having um, a moment during a match. I think it was Palace. I can't. I can't quite remember. I might be wrong with that one. But Trent was a little bit shaky, and all Henderson did is he just dropped back an extra ten yards and played alongside um, Trent, 
just to tell him that whenever he gets the ball, don't think about doing anything uh, clever or outstanding. Just just rotate them, recycle the ball back to Henderson and just take that pressure off him, trying to do something smart. And that, that l- small little things like that help uh, alleviate some of the pressures with the young guys, knowing that Henderson's got his back. And we may not see that on the pitch too much, or we may not um, notice that from the commentary. But this, these small little moments in the match helps the team just move forward for that five, ten minutes, just to compose Trent again after he's been skinned a couple of times. It just helps the team rebalance and go forward again. And that kind of leadership or that kind of um, uh, leading by example, you don't, you can't buy that. And I've, because of that, I'm so proud of him to be our captain and uh, help us through this period. And he's co- contributed in so many different ways, whether it's mopping up um, loose balls or passing uh, 60-yard passes or through balls or his crossing. Everything's just of a really good quality now. And who'd know that this guy that who's got a really poor gait that can't run and um, is, is should be in the garbage uh, bucket of the Premier League players is now... A captain of the world, a captain of the team that's the best in the world is just superb. I'm really happy of that transformation, and I just hope it just stays. And, and congratulate, uh, congratulations for winning the Football Writers um, Award as well, rightly deserved as well. So well done, mate. Yeah, hundred percent. Yes, um, we're all absolutely de- delighted um, compared to how divided we were. I don't know, whenever it was, eight, nine years ago now when he joined, I believe. Um, his passing success for the whole season was 84.2, which is very decent. Um, his progressive distance, uh, this is according to fbref.com, where I get a lot of these stats, uh, which is an absolutely wonderful site. Um, progressive distance, so how many, uh, basically the total distance in yards that completed passes have travelled towards the opponent's goal is up, as you might expect, from 7,087 yards last year to 7,681 yards this year. So he's playing more progressive passes because he's playing a bit further up. As we said, that that, that game against Southampton will live long in the memory, and uh, so will children. He is now a bona fide Liverpool legend, and his story is beautiful. Uh, let's move on. We'll see how, how, how far we can get today before we're out of time. Uh, but the next one on the list is uh, number 15, of course, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Now, um, he's another one I've done a little bit of research on as well, because he really, I'm in two minds about him. I think his, on his day, I think he's the best midfielder in England along with Henderson, maybe even better slightly than Jordan Henderson in terms of his dynamism, everything he does, he's good at everything, he's a good all-rounder, his vision, his power, um, I think he's fantastic. But then there are other times when he's really not in the game and you can see he gets frustrated, his body language is bad. Looking at some of the numbers, he's got four goals. He got four goals and one assist in 30 Premier League matches, uh, only 17 starts. Um, He'll be 27 on August the 15th this year. His passing accuracy for the season was 83.2%, which seems very reasonable. You know, around about 84 is a very good performance, like uh, Jordan Henderson this year. But... 
If you look at the last two matches he's played, his passing accuracy is down somewhere at around about 72%. So this is how wildly he swings. And I wonder if, although it's a very, quite a sad question to ask you, Brian, um, to bring you in on this, but Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, is he, has he already unfortunately peaked because of his injuries or can he do what so few have done although it is possible and come back from an acl injury given enough time and regain his old sparkling best um yeah unfortunately i think not uh it just seems like adam lalana 2.0 uh in terms of um you know what he gave to the team at one stage and what he's giving to the team now. I mean, I think he's a brilliant guy to have in the squad and he's a great, he's a very, very high standard squad player who could find some form again and who who is capable of putting some great performances in, but he does go missing and his consistency is infuriating. Um, I mean, I personally really like the guy. I like him as a football player, and I really wanted him to succeed. And I was, I was um, really upset when he when he got that injury, and, and he hasn't quite come back to, to um, his previous standards. But it's not for a, a lack of opportunities because Klopp has given him quite a few starts, and he just what really angers me about him sometimes. But you know, I don't. It just seems like this watching it from on a TV screen. I'm sure it's not the case, but sometimes when you're watching him play, it just seems like he's not he's not grabbing his opportunity um, to really stake a claim in the team because we all know, and you know, if if Genie and Hendo are fit, they play um, for the most part, um, and uh, you know, uh, Fabinho in, in the in in the holding position. And so if anybody's going to push their way into that equation, especially with Naby on the form that he is, well, you, you really have to kind of stake your claim. And even though he's got an amazing shot on him and he can burst forward um, and, and do some, some great stuff, I think what you lose in the other aspects of the game, he becomes a bit of a luxury for me anyway. Um, I mean, I hope he, he, he picks it up, but I, I just think he just he just looks like Adam Lallana all over again. I think perhaps this season, uh, the twenty twenty one season, probably might be his last season with us. Uh, great guy. Hope he proves me wrong. But he this has been a kind of frustrating year for me for for his performances. It's 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 a very interesting question, isn't it? I mean, you said about a squad player. Um, you know, he's he's pulled out his best form for us when he's had a run of games and he's, you know, turned into this absolute monster in the middle. Brilliant, brilliant player. Where do you stand on it, Robin? Um, yeah, it's not been the same as it was before that injury that he had in the Champions League a couple of years ago. Uh, he was undroppable in that midfield at that time. He's very, he's in a very similar position to Naby Keita. They're, they're playing a very similar position. Uh, very attack orientated and they burst through the lines very well. Um, no uh, dynamism and athleticism, and they can score goals. And you you tend to feel that Naby Keita has just edged forward now, especially of recent form, 
and he might be the person in the future. As a squad player, he's not too bad. Our, our first eleven is very strong and can um, compete with any team in the world. To break into the first eleven, you've got to be of exceptional quality. So it is a bit harsh to say that uh, Oxlade is not the first eleven. No, he's definitely not the first eleven, but it's not a bad player to have around if you want to bring him on as a um, replacement. It's hard to have 20 world-class exceptional players that would be happy to sit on the bench and wait for and bide their time. Um, I wouldn't disagree too much with Brian saying that he needs a good season next year. 27, 28, when you get to that age, you need to be producing, especially if we are going to be challenging for those titles and those uh, accolades that we want to be at, at that higher uh, echelons of football, uh, Oxlade does need to step up or at least show that uh, consistency that made him um, so so popular at Anfield. Um, but Naby Keita seems to be stealing a march on him. He He's just showing a lot better form at the moment. Um, and he's got uh, he's playing also in the same similar positions to Minamino, and I don't think Minamino has done himself that many favours at the moment. But Oxlade, I think with with what he's done in the past for us, I think he deserves an opportunity next season to see how well he's going to be. And if it doesn't work out, then we might need to look at uh, replacement squad options that can slot into that midfield position, and you don't see a drop in quality from the first eleven. Um, I hope he's, um, he can do that. As Brian Whiteley said, it's not only just a nice guy. Even on camera, when you when you hear him interview, he comes across articulate, he speaks very well, he's very likeable. The players all like around him. When you see all these Liverpool videos and the things he does for the community, he comes across as a very nice guy. Um, but obviously that's not enough to play for the Liverpool jersey. You need a little bit more than that. And he's got that in his locker. He just needs to get a bit more consistency and I'm, I'm hoping that next year um, he'll, he'll find that. Yeah, very, very good answer. So, yeah, OK, so Robin would keep him on. Brian's not sure. Uh, where do you stand on the Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain situation here, Um I, I like him. I, I think what Jürgen's done is um, there are occasions where he plays him in the front three, and I, I think when he does that, he often finds it difficult. Uh, it's not position he's all too familiar with and he often struggles when he when he's when he's put out as 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 one of the front front three. I think he's better when he's playing in midfield because he can drive the team forward. Um I do I do like him because I think he offers something which uh some not a lot of the other midfielders do. So that's shooting from outside the box. And I think it's important because we don't we we tend to uh have you know, we, we tend to play in a certain way, which is either get it out to the full-backs and then get the crosses in and, and score that way, whereas what we need is more goals from midfield as well. And I think it does offer that. The ACL injury obviously has uh, stunted his kind of development in the sense that uh, he, where he was and where he was probably heading, he's, he's, he's gone backward a little bit. But I think, I think there's still a place for him within the squad. And also, when he's on form, he, you know he can be he can be very good. Um, but then he, he, he can go through really anonymous periods as well. But I think he's got he's certainly got quality on the ball. He's got good delivery. Um, and I think if we if we play him as one of the three in midfield, 
then he tends to perform a bit better, you know, whereas if it, when, when we're playing him as a front three, he, he often struggles. So uh, I still think, I can't remember what I scored him, uh, Owen, but... Um, it was seven. You gave him a seven, solid yeah. seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I, I, and I think that's where he is. Uh, I think injury, but, you know, he's, he's also very prone to injury as well. So he's often going to be in and out of the team because of uh, because of that, and he's got a history of injuries. I think he's had, he's had a history of injuries even prior to uh, coming to Liverpool when he was at Arsenal. So, um, and I, I did question his signing when we did sign him because Jordan Ivy was similar to him in terms of style, in terms of size. Uh, but I think he's he, he does offer a bit more than Jordan might be. So uh, I guess it's, uh, you know, it is somebody that I would like to keep. And, and uh, I think he's still got a few years within him to offer to us. Yeah, great. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think, he, you know, generally his, his touch, his technique is really is really good, isn't it? I mean, that, that's something that Jordan and I only sometimes had. Uh, he had it in spades as a 15-year-old mm. and then somehow... Somehow lost his way. Um, but let's move on then. Let's move on to number 18 in the squad. Oh, sorry, before I do that, the, the, the scores for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, um, I'm reading from left to right on my list. We've got loads of people. I gave him 7.5, okay? So I'm not saying he was horrible. He was very good, but just uh, yeah, inconsistent, really. He could do better on that score. But uh, lots of high moments, you know, great moments from, from the season. Um, and then uh, move, move, reading from left to right, there's 8, 8.5, 7.5, 6.5, 8.7. And seven. Um, it was Doug, who unfortunately can't be with us today, who gave him 8.5. So he, he's obviously a big Chamberlain fan. Let's see what happens. Um, the next one, number 18, Takumi Minamino. In many ways, here I'm going to stay with you. Um, in many ways... Um, it, it, it's sort of an, it doesn't really count. He, he played 249 minutes, no goals, no assists. And, he, you know, that, that action before the assist I looked at, you know, if it's a pass or a dribble that creates the assist, he's got none of them either. Um, so my questions to you are, you know, in such a small sample size, we can't judge definitively, can we? But uh, where do you think is his best position? And uh, how happy are you? that he's part of our squad and how far can he go? Um, I, I have to sort of question this particular transfer and I think this was more of an investment given the price that they were going to get him at um, rather than a, a, a squad signing that's kind of uh, to improve the squad itself. And also because last season we didn't have any signing so they, they felt desperate to, to make a signing. Um, in terms of, I'm I'm not, I'm still not convinced that he's going to quite make it for us, um, and I th I think he's a confidence player, uh, and I think if when when he scores goal and he probably and he and he's and he's done a, a few assists, I think he may kick on and he may he may become a great player. Um, but at this moment in time, I, I still think he's lacking confidence, uh, particularly because he, he seems to want to pass it to Salah Mane or whoever else he's playing with rather than taking on responsibility himself. Um, so 
I guess it's difficult to come in January and, and then not, you know, not have the pre-season to, to be able to get to know your teammates, to, to understand the way we play. Um, from when, what I remember when we played against uh, Red Bull Salzburg, he, he played behind the front man and maybe that's his best position, but I don't know whether we play in that way to, to offer him his best position. So even the Firmino role or or the Salah role would quite fit in with what he what he can do. I'm not I'm not entirely convinced. So, but you're right, Owen. I mean, I, I guess we've not seen a lot of him to be able to make that full judgment. Well, it's it, it's only been um, you know 249 minutes or whatever I just said. It's gone now from my screen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, okay. So you you gave it you gave him a six out of ten. It's fair enough. I know where you're coming from. Although I'm a little bit more. Um, hopeful, uh, because I think I've seen, as we all have, um, you know, Jurgen, how brilliant he is at developing players. You know, he's not Guardiola who buys them and they stay the same and then they leave or he leaves. Um, you know, it's it's it. I'm I'm confident that Takumi just needs to sort of, you know, get his confidence up maybe bulk up a little bit. That's one area where I think he can improve is that just physically he's not quite at Premier League level. Mm -hmm. But when he gets there, I've seen, I like the flicks, I like the touches, I like his control, I like his, uh, the way that he drops deep. I think his movement is, is pretty intelligent. I don't know. Um, Brian, uh, you gave him a 6.5 out of 10. Where do you think Takumi can improve? Yeah, I mean, I gave him a low score because he just, I didn't really see an awful lot of him. Um, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I thought when he came on, he, he did well. Uh, he's quite, he strikes me as a very intelligent player. He just drops into spaces nicely. Very, he strikes, strikes me as one of those players that's really difficult to pick up. Um, and, uh, you know, if we were playing a diamond, uh, then he would be... Uh, you know, he'd be my choice to put at the tip of the diamond. Um, I'm not convinced. I mean, I I didn't see him play enough for his previous team to see if he could like, you know, play in those top three positions, like on on the on the wings or whatnot. But as a midfielder, as a attacking midfielder, he he seems great. But he he's another one of these players that just needs a run of games. Um, I think he could be. I think next this new season, I think he's going to be a, a more important player for us. Uh, he strikes me as one of those players that Klopp is slow brewing, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, I think he obviously sees a lot of great qualities in him. And uh, I think if he gets if he gets the if he gets the time and the team, uh, then. Uh, then he can prove his worth. But in terms of where he needs to improve, I, do, I just don't think he's had enough game time to, to say that with any degree of, you know, authority. Um, I like what I see so far. He, he strikes me, he's kind of similar to Naby uh, in terms of his tetrament. I think, you know, he seems like another one of these guys is very um, quiet and unassuming. And um, I think for a, for a person like that, to come into a team with such strong leaders and such strong established characters, uh, it's going to take time. I mean, I mentally penciled in two years for him just to kind of, before he really starts to kind of 
start knocking at the door because he's still he's still quite young, right? I mean, he's like what 24, 25, something like that. Um, 25, I believe, but I will check. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's I think he was a brilliant signing, genius signing, because I you know I'm led to believe he's like the Japanese David Beckham. <laughs> he's uh, I mean, he's very popular over there. Um, and like as signings go, he's it's great that we've got a squad full of players like him. You know, we're really packing it out, and maybe hopefully in this transfer window we can sign a couple more like that as well. I'm, I like what I see. I, I you know, I, I just I'm, I'm the, the jury's out. I'm I'm happy with what he's done so far. I'll judge him next season a bit, you know, a bit uh, harder when when we get to see him more. Maybe he'll get more time in the in the League Cup and you know in the cup games. But yeah, so far so good. Yeah, great. Okay, great answer. Absolutely. Yeah, he is 25. He was born on January the 16th, 1995. God, these people, they make me feel old with their young 90s birthdays. God, I'd, I'd already started getting drunk by then. I don't know. Robin, um, uh, Takumi Minamino, um, you also gave him 6.5 out of 10. So um, quite quite similar, I imagine. You you. To, to Brian, you would give him some some uh, cup games next season and see how he develops. Yeah, I think I, I think Brian said it quite nicely. Um, we perhaps haven't had enough time to really see him. It's, it's a big culture change. It's a big uh, career move for him to come somewhere like uh, Liverpool, surrounded by superstars and a very strong winning formula that he has to get used to. And it's hard it's hard to hit the ground running. We've seen how long the bedding in period takes with Firmino and Oxlade when he first came in. So it may take a little bit while, especially to play a system and that kind of energy which is needed from that midfield uh, and that attacking position. And it will take a little bit of time, but the the time is on his side. He's, he is young, 25 is relatively young for him to learn. And he's shown little glimpses of touches and intelligence, especially when he played against us. You think he's, he's got something about himself. It, um, it just needs that consistency and be able to prove it uh, week in, week out. I think Klopp gives enough opportunities for these players, whether it be Naby or um, uh, Oxlade or Minamino and even players like Curtis Jones and Shakir in the past. They will have opportunities. And when they do have those opportunities, it's down to their responsibility to seize that chance and, and make that position their own so they're undroppable. Um, and we get to see a little bit more about what his character is like and what his mentality is like when those opportunities do come along. Um, I think this preseason will be important for him, for him to um, embed himself with the philosophies about Liverpool and how the style it, um, it works. And also building his confidence, the stronger relationships he has with the people around him he may feel more uh, able to actually take the ball and do some of the magic that he perhaps can do instead of just passing it safe to, to somebody else. Um, he might be um, willing to please the crowd and his um, teammates as well on giving them the ball. But actually, if he, feel, if he was to seize that chance himself, whether it's to drive through the lines or score from 25 yards out, that we, we haven't really seen what he'll be like once he has that massive injection of confidence. Does he kick on to be another player, another level of player that we've never seen at Liverpool with, with him? So it'll be interesting to see when that opportunity comes, does, does he stay at that level and sustain it? Like we have seen with people like Salah and Mane, they just got better and they just stayed better. 
Um, so Minamino has got a lot of potential and um, he de definitely deserves a chance. And for seven million odd that we got from him, it's, it's, it's a bargain. Even if we were to sell him, we'll easily make on the selling value from that. And as Brian rightly say, he's so popular and like a pinup boy in Japan, the commercial value that brings to that is just makes good economic sense. Um, so let's keep him and let's see what happens. Yeah, good. Love, another lovely answer. Absolutely. Um, we're just going to do one more, um, one more uh, person, and then we're going to have to do a part three of our season review next time. But um, you know, thank you already, guys. I mean, it's been it was so so nice to hear your views. Um, so the last person we're going to talk about, we've got as far as number twenty in the squad, and it's Adam Lalana, or it was Adam Lalana before he moved to Brighton. Um, across the board. Everybody gave him 6.5 out of 10, um, apart from Doug, who gave him 7, and he put in brackets, so I know his reasons, because he scored against United. He gave him an extra 0.5. Here on, you gave him as low as, as low as 6. And it's a curious thing, isn't it? Because, you know, no one's really gone above 6.5 out of 10, but at the same time, it's with a heavy heart that we say goodbye to this player who's only played 374 minutes of uh, Premier League football this season. Yeah, I think um, Adam Lallana, I think before his injuries, he, he was a, you know, he was a brilliant player. I just think he's never been blessed with pace. Um, so... What he's got was football intelligence, and uh, he's got he's probably the uh, the the most two-footed player we had in the squad last season. Because I can't really think of anybody else that is that you wouldn't know which foot they actually play with. Um, the thing with Adam Lallana is that he wasn't he, for me. I, I found him quite frustrating, and and that's partly because. I, I didn't know what he was really good at, whether that, that was driving the team forward or taking set pieces or even his passing range. Um, I guess what he bought into the whole um, uh, counter-pressing, the gag and pressing thing uh, right at the beginning. And, and he was um, instrumental in terms of making uh, implementing that system for us. Um, and he, he, you know, whenever sort of Jurgen would uh, uh, would want to um, do that in a particular game, then then uh, Adam was was quite instrumental in 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 sort of being the first person to to do the the the, the counter pressing. I think lately he's become more of obviously a squad player and injuries. I mean, you just don't know when he's going to be injured, you know, he, he, and the frequency of his injuries was just meant that you just couldn't trust him to, to, you know, stay fit. I'm not sure what he's going to be like in Brighton now, but obviously uh, with those, um, so I, you know, I guess I, I found him quite frustrating and, and that's probably what, why it's been reflected in my score, which is six. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 the only game that I can remember where he, I mean, the, there's two games that I can remember this season that he's actually influenced. Uh, one was against, I think it was against Burnley at home, um, where he helped to score that, the, the 
second goal, I think it was, and obviously the, the United game, uh, which uh, um, you know he, he, he's, he came on late on and, and scored the equaliser there. Uh, but yeah, I think he could have done more, but I'm not sure whether uh, Jürgen trusted him enough to um, to be in the first eleven on a consistent basis. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, I do share it. I've, uh, I mean, even going back to when he first started, I mean, yes, he was very good at pressing, but I do share your sort of hesitancy about what he did actually offer us. I remember, I mean, his his touch, his technique is fabulous. I mean, you know, like if 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 you're looking at you know how to control a football, as you said, with both feet, and uh, you know he's he's extraordinary working in tight spaces. Um, but you know the, the the funniest comment, and because it's true um, about Adam Lalana that I heard was from John Gibbons from the Anfield Rap, um, who uh, said if if the game was played without goals, then Adam Lalana would be the best player in the world. Um, and it's that you know I I agree. I mean the amount of times we saw him beat three players going backwards on the side of the pitch and then pass it to skirtle or whoever we had back then um you know it was quite a lot i've never really been a massive fan but at least with a heavy heart that i say goodbye because i think he's he's been a great servant to the club nonetheless he's obviously tried his very very best he's given everything he's given loads to the younger players um where do you stand on 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 his departure formally of this of this parish i'm trying to think he had only 22 goals in his Liverpool career, according to LFChistory.net. Brian, where, where do you stand on Adam Lallana? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, he was a player that that was very important for us uh, at, the, at uh, the beginning of Klopp's uh, glorious reign uh, at Liverpool. Um, he was you know, very much like how Hendo is now, just the very, at, the, at the beginning, he was the most important player in, in our squad. And uh, I think he really laid the blueprint down for a lot of the players um, uh, in, in the squad on, on basically giving everything, putting the press, he was so industrious. And, uh, you know, it's been pointed out, he, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't been blessed with blistering pace, but he's one of those rare super intelligent footballers who can just see the game differently than just your average footballer. Um, and then again, you know, same thing that's happened with Ox, unfortunately, you know, again, he seems like a great guy, seems like a pretty stand-up bloke, um, got injured and has never been the same player. You know, he, he uh, at one stage, he was that player that all the fans were kind of um, clamoring, hoping he's on the team sheet because he was putting in such great performances and then he got injured and it's never quite been the same and it's been a slow slide into what, <laughs> Brighton. <laughs> I feel terrible when I'm saying that. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> no, it's like... No, but, okay, so, yeah, but sorry to interrupt here, Brian, but, but, yeah. the, but the season that you're, you're referring to and it is very much I've had... I've had, um, you know, because I listen to, I'm, I'm too obsessed with podcasts. I listen to too many of them. Uh, but that, that season was 2016-17. Okay, he got eight league goals. That was his most ever for us. Um, 
He got none in the Cups or anything like that, but he got eight goals that season, 16-17, and he got seven assists, all in the league, did nothing in the Cups. I Mind you, we, got, we were out in the third round of the Cups that season. But 16-17, yes. Eight goals, seven assists, that was good. But that was 16-17. That was a heck of a long time ago. And yeah. I don't know, I don't know, Robin, I'm going to go to you. 22 goals, 21 assists. Um, he's not one for the stats, guys, is he? Um, but he, uh, I don't know, he, he, like I said, he gave everything for the club. Yeah, he did. He, I think it's the right time for him to go. Um, and he goes with all of our best wishes. And we, we hope he recaptures that form that made him so popular at Anfield. And there's nothing but good wishes from all the Liverpool fans for him, right? Um, but I think the, the level that the team is at now, the squad is at now, it demands more than what Lalana unfortunately, can perhaps provide us. Lalana in that season that you're talking about, was instrumental. He was that focal trigger point. He's the, he was the person that initiated the first press and that trigger. When he went, the whole team responded to see, actually, if, if Lalana goes to close a person down all the other Liverpool players will step up a few yards to close off their man and cut off the avenues where um, that pass can be played and we we pounced on many opportunities when Lalana and his intelligence of that coaching system with Gergen Press got those um, balls back from us but I think Liverpool have evolved since then and sadly Lalana's fitness hasn't and it, it came to a point where he can't do the same kind of things as he used to. He tried to reinvent himself by being a more of a holding midfielder. I remember in pre-season, he played deep lying midfield a little bit. And he wasn't too bad. It was okay. He gave us another op um, option. But when um, Fabinho made that position his own, it kind of um, made um, Lallana's uh, transfer to uh, as a holding midfielder a little bit null and void, especially when you've got... Ronaldo and Henderson that can perhaps um, substitute in that position as well as the number six. Um, so we wish him really well. I remember the first season when he was there, it was so exciting. And I, I remember talking to friends about it. I can't wait to see uh, Salah, Mane, Lalana, Firmino and Coutinho as a Fab Five. They all talk about Fab Four at that time. But I thought Lalana, you can add to that, makes that attacking prowess and the intelligence from all those five are devastating. But there wasn't many opportunities we got to see all five of them on the pitch. And it's such a shame when he first started out with Jürgen Klopp, he was so promising, but he just never made it. So wish him best of luck. I think we've evolved to um, be better than that. And we need players who can um, provide a sustained level of quality more than what Lalana can do now. So good luck to him. And um I think he's um, achieved a lot and um, he goes with all of my thanks and um, appreciation for what he's done for the club. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, from everyone at Copon as well. Absolutely terrific stuff. Um, so just before we go then, um, so uh, Robin and Brian, I mean, thank you so much for being on Copon again. Here on is your first time. Um, and you're part of a group, um, is it called the, the Deshi Reds, is that right? And can you tell us a bit about that, please? Yeah, so it's um, it's a newly formed uh, supporters, well, Liverpool supporters group, I, I guess. Uh, we've, um, I, you know, we, we've, you know, we wanted to celebrate 
the the achievement of winning the, the Premier League, and uh, we we managed to get some funding from uh, the um, Football uh, Supporters Federation, and uh, so uh, it, it, it's 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 basically you know uh, people that we have from the, the the Bangladeshi community, so throughout the UK to uh, to form you know part of this particular group, and uh, you know go to matches, talk about. You know, and do do stuff like what you're doing here, um, and uh, yeah. So it's it's just a supporters group that we 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 formed, and uh, hopefully, you know, we can we can continue in terms of uh, uh, you know getting getting more more and more people to to join and and airing their views and things like that. Great. And how how do people get in touch with you? Um, so we've got a, a Twitter page and we have a Facebook page and also Instagram page as well. I think so. There are there are you know different ways of, of getting in touch with us. Um, Marvelous. So that's D D E S H I Reds, right? That's right. Yep. Deshi Reds. Fantastic. Deshi Reds was absolutely brilliant that you're that you're here on Cop On. Absolutely delighted that you've got that group together and. Um, you know, we march on into the summer. Um, champions, I'm still absolutely delighted. I'm sure you all are sailing on the clouds, you know, beyond the horizon into the, into the, the universe of joy that uh, 30 years of waiting kind of brings you to. Uh, so um, thank you very much, everyone. Thank you so much as well, Robin and, and Brian, um, friends around the world. Thank you so much, and um, have a lovely day, night, evening. We lost Kevin along the way, but thank you to him as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll speak to you soon, guys. Thank you very much.